This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com and enter the promo code FULL10 at checkout. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, October 24th, and we're breaking down Tesla earnings. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool analysts Jim Gillies and Jim Mueller. How's it going, guys? Hey, Nick. How are you? Glad to be here. Yeah, Jim Jim is joining us from Canada via Skype. So might, if you hear a little bit of echoing in the background, that might be that, that technical stuff. But yeah, so we're talking about Tesla today. The big news of the day, Tesla shocked Wall Street last night, reporting a quarterly profit of $1.86 per share. Really crushed consensus expectations for a loss of $0.23 cents a share. That, plus a surprising free cash flow print, sent the stock up more than 20% after our hours. We'll dive into the details in a second, but just off the top, guys, what was your immediate reaction to seeing these numbers come out? We'll go Mueller first. Well, my first word I can't say <laughs> because it was, it was so surprising. Uh, I, I expected them to beat uh, estimates, but I did not expect them to post a, an actual profit, no. I would say my reaction uh, could be summed up as stunned curiosity. <laughs> yeah, the, there was a lot in there, and there's a lot to come out. So, uh, but uh, they certainly, I, I think they they addressed the biggest problem facing them coming into the quarter, which I think uh, we'll get to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the biggest doubts around the company was whether they could get around this this Model Three ramp, which they're lapping this quarter. And, uh, you know, show some positive signs of kind of hitting profitability and sustainability. Revenue was actually down slightly quarter over quarter, down about 8% year over year. Auto sales down uh, 12.5% year over year. And that's despite uh, record deliveries. When we see record deliveries of vehicles and and revenues coming down slightly, what's been driving that, that kind of decline in revenues from the company? Well, that's obviously a lower average selling price with the cars. Uh, they're they're selling fewer of their Model S and X cars. They're high end, high profit cars. They're selling more of the Model Threes. So that mix shift uh, explains part of it. And the other part of it is probably just uh, Tesla continuing to lower the selling price for the Model Threes. Uh, for whatever reason. They say it's uh, because it's still profitable and they're passing on savings to customers and and things like that. But uh, if that means uh, less revenue and less cash flow coming through the door, uh, something you didn't highlight but is also true, uh, then then it's uh, something that analysts uh, uh, all over Wall Street, and including here at Full HQ, uh, are going to try to dig in deeper and figure out what's going on. Sure. Musk mentioned on the call that uh, I think he said the SNX were making for sentimental reasons at this point. Those those continue to, to trend down. However, Model 3 delivery is up 42% year over year. Uh, one thing the company does call out is that they, they tripled uh, their percentage of leased vehicles in the quarter, and that contributed somewhat uh, uh, to the revenue decline. But when we see that increase in profitability on declining revenues, what that really means is that the company was successful in cutting costs and that increased margins and was able to, to generate uh, that profitability. Uh, just to call out a number there, I mean, Tesla's operating expenses uh, were the lowest they've ever had since the launch uh, of the Model 3, and that drove up uh, gross margin. You know, as, as we look at kind of the numbers and drill into those a little bit, uh, do we have any handle on, on what levers Tesla was able to pull to bring those costs down this quarter and show that profit? Well, I, I think uh, just to step a little bit back before we try to answer that question, and it's, it's, a, it's a deceptively complicated question that I don't think we're even going to be able to really answer terribly well, but we'll give it a shot. Um, you know, the, coming into this quarter, the street knew, uh, certainly Tesla internally knew that revenue 
year over year or quarter over quarter was probably going to be down even as they delivered record number of vehicles. Uh, in part, that is because of what Jim has just said, you know, that the, the mix shift from the S and X over to the three. It's in part due to the uh, lower average selling prices on the threes. Uh, and so you you were set up for revenue to be down. And, and, and as Tesla is perceived as a growth company and your top line is going the wrong direction, as you've already called it, I think automotive was down about 12 percent. Um, that, that's, that's kind of a mismatch. So, so you knew that they're going to need something to, I don't want to say distract, but that's, that's an implicitly negative word. Uh, but, uh, they, they need to tell a different story because the story they're going to tell is, 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 well, our revenue rolled over. Uh, and so the story I think they were telling this quarter was, um, you know, yes, we didn't grow this quarter, but look at the growth we're going to have going forward. I think that there's multiple examples of that. And then the second piece is this profitability, this sudden surprise profitability. And and what they did here, uh, you know, for example, just the costs of um, the cost of the vehicles, cost of goods sold, uh, they improved something like 230 million from last quarter. Um, so, you know, the cost of goods sold per car has gone down. Uh, which is good if it, if it's real. Now there's there's some uh, we don't have a, enough granularity into it yet. Probably won't for a few weeks until the quarterly report is delivered. Probably not until the annual report is delivered. Uh, but things like if they change, say, uh, the depreciation assumption on um, the tooling that they use to make a car, that would result in lower depreciation expense, which fa falls part into cost of goods sold, which then your cost goes up, or sorry, your cost goes down, profitability goes up. Uh, their R&D was kind of, you know, flat and certainly better than recent quarters. Their SG&A, sales and general expense and administrative expenses, that was better. Um, they ended up with, uh, uh, below the operating line, they had a, a rather, um, uh, they had a benefit on the other income and claiming it was a uh, foreign exchange related. Uh, all of these things are kind of surprising. They fell Tesla's way uh, in this quarter, but add it all together and you've got over half a billion dollars of uh, improvements to profitability. So even when you have that, even though you know, overall revenue down 1% quarter over quarter, and, and as you said, 8% year over year, uh, you, you can, you, when it falls out of the income statement, falls out of the spreadsheet, you end up with a profit. So that's, we need to get into the granularity and look at some of it, but, you know, certainly at first pass and look at the market reaction today, certainly market reaction is very, you know, strong and very quite surprised by it, delighted by it, I should say. Um, but uh, we, we, we won't know the full extent of how things were done probably for a few weeks, if not until the, the start of next year. Sure. Yeah. And just to kind of hammer those numbers home a little bit, SG&A, uh, lowest share of revenue since the end of 2018, uh, lowest in absolute terms since second quarter 2017. Uh, and that's when Tesla sold about a quarter of the vehicles they sell currently. So really have been able to get those costs down significantly. Uh, any indications on how sustainable these cost cuts may be going forward, whether we, we can see this profitability continue quarter over quarter and these cost cuts are sustainable? If they change the depreciation schedule for the equipment that they use to make the cars, that's going to be uh, continued forward and, and uh, is going to uh, be a lasting uh, savings in, in the cost. But if they're uh, doing it because they're uh, not paying off their uh, not paying for the, uh, the the supplies they're using to build the cars, then that's probably not sustainable. 
What, one, just to, to add to that, Nick, what Jim just said, uh, depreciation is, of course, a non-cash expense. So you would, if they did change the depreciation schedule, for example, and we don't know that they have, and, uh, but this is as an example, uh, if that was done, then uh, what that means is the, you know, the, the, the accounting profit would be improved. But from a cash flow perspective, you know, you paid for the tooling three and five years ago, and then depreciation is what it is. So it, it's not going to, it's not going to improve the cash thing, but on the cash side or the cash flow side, you would have a bit of a different argument or a different concern. Uh, the other thing though, is, is what Jim talks about, or, and, and it also ties into what I've just said, you know, if we're just making the S and X as uh, they call them sentimental reasons now, and which which saddens me because I really like the S. Um, but if they're making them for more sentimental reasons, they're not the the profit drivers expected going forward. Um, you know, are they are they using say old tooling, perhaps fully depreciated tooling there? And if they are fully depreciated, then uh, you know the 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 margins on those cars will be the accounting margins will be stronger because they're not you're not spending a lot on depreciation amortization expense. So if they're just making it for sentimental reasons, are they building, say, new stamping dies or what have you for them? We don't know. We're not internal. But these there are there are some things that you can do to uh, to boost these that look that look sustainable. I, I'm more curious, frankly, you ask about sustainable um, uh, sustainable cost cuts. I, I look at the R&D not really going anywhere, even though we're supposedly ramping up um, the Model Y earlier than predicted. Projected, and don't forget the uh, semi, and the semi, and the pickup, and probably a motorcycle at some point. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and and the other thing about that is, you know, they're constantly doing their uh, their software updates, the full self driving, the you know, the autopilot, that sort of thing. Presumably, some of those costs for doing that is is dropping into R and D, and yet R and Ds we're, we're not really seeing it move, uh, so they're not spending a lot there. Uh, spoiler: They're not spending what we thought they were going to spend on capital uh, capital expenses. Um, SGNA, if they are, if they have spent less, if that is, I mean, you hope it's a it's a sustainable uh, savings because, uh, frankly, Tesla was a little bloated in that area before. So if that's sustainable, that could be great. But uh, we got one quarter, right? I mean, we're, and we don't have the we don't have the quarterly report, so we're going to need to see that and try to suss out where those savings have come from. Certainly if you read the, um, if you read the conference call and, and, and Tesla, um, for anyone who's, who's read a Tesla conference call transcript or listened to it, um, you know, and this is not, this is neither a good nor a bad thing. It's just, it's just a thing. Uh, Tesla is optimistic about everything always. And so of course, everything that was said by the various members of management on the call was, yes, everything is sustainable. Everything is, you know, we're, we're doing so well in cost cutting. We're doing so well in capital efficiency and maybe they are, you know, uh, but, um, when someone is so perpetually on one side of the equation, I think, uh, maybe it's just me, but I have a tendency to go to discount that a little bit. Uh, and that's the same way if someone's perennially negative, I like, well, you know, things are never as bad as you think. But, uh, so I, I was, I, I would like independent verification of some of these cost savings or alternatively, give me a couple more quarters of this and show me that you're staying at that level without any damage to your business. And I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe your optimism. Sure. Mueller, any last thoughts? 
Uh, well, I was just going to uh, play off uh, something Jim said about cash flow, if you're ready to go move into that direction. Yeah, so we'll cover cash flow on the back half of the show. Just for what it's worth on earnings, Tesla's calling for positive net income going forward with temporary exceptions around the launch of new products. On the back half of the show, we'll dive into Tesla's cash flows, guidance, and their growth plans for the future. But first, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. Outdated HEPA filters collect larger pollutants, but smaller things like mold, viruses, bacteria, and volatile organic chemicals slip right through, all, all of which are a big deal for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule uses breakthrough science to break down these pollutants on a molecular level. That's right. Molecule doesn't just collect air, air pollutants. It destroys them on a molecular level. When you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in your home. We got folks across the Motley Fool who use the molecule, including Jim Mueller. Uh, what are your thoughts on the product, Jim? I like it. It. Um, I, I don't sneeze as much as when when I wake up in the morning. Boom! That's all you're asking for out of uh, out of an allergy prevention <laughs> product. Uh, for 10% off your first air purifier, visit m o l e k u l e dot com and enter the promo code Fool10 at checkout. That's m o l e k u l e dot com and promo code Fool10. Okay, the other big number from Tesla's earnings report last night was this free cash flow number of $371 million. Also took Wall Street, most observers, uh, by surprise. When we y- Y'all mentioned CapEx, uh, CapEx earlier. Uh, when you drill down into kind of the source of this free cash flow, do we have any indications on uh, where that's being generated? Our operating cash is actually down quarter over quarter, so this is another instance of where uh, the cash flow moving out the door is more driving this uh, free cash flow than bringing in additional cash flow uh, from you know versus previous quarters. So before diving into the into the weeds a little bit, uh, I'll, I'll put some numbers on what you just said. Quarter over qu- quarter, uh, it went from eight hundred sixty four million dollars of cash flow from operations down to seven hundred fifty six. So that's about a hundred eight million dollar drop in cash flow from operations, and uh, they ramped up capex a little bit. Uh, from 250 uh, spend uh, last quarter to 385 million spend this quarter, and so uh, combined uh, the the two numbers uh, flow make uh, free cash flow a little bit smaller uh, quarter over, quarter over quarter, but also year over year. Last year they had over uh, in the third quarter of 18 they had uh, well over 800 almost 900 million dollars of free cash flow. The the, the the problem I see with this is that uh, they're not even keeping up with the, uh, the depreciation expenses that they have on their books uh, and in the income uh, which is flowing which is helping what makes is part of what is helping make uh, the margins look better uh, the 530 million dollars worth of depreciation on on all their capital equipment uh, was balanced by only 385 million dollars of new investment in capital equipment this quarter and that's not sustainable especially for a growing company uh, going into the future. Last year uh, through this date for the three quarters, 
they had uh, one, $1.4 billion worth of depreciation and amortization, and they had CapEx of $1.8 billion. And so they were investing not only to uh, cover what they were losing on depreciation, but also in, uh, investing in new equipment and uh, new uh, capital there. This uh, So far this year, they have $1.6 billion of depreciation and only $900 million of CapEx. And so they're not even keeping up with, with that number which is fine in the short term is a good uh is a decent source of cash in the short term but it's not sustainable for a long ter- for the long term especially if uh given their their growth plans of bringing out a model Y a semi truck uh a uh, I'm sorry a pickup truck and possibly a motorcycle but we haven't heard any rumors about that <laughs> the motorcycle just me <laughs> Yeah, it's worth noting uh, Tesla started out the year uh, with a projection of $2.5 billion in expected CapEx. As right. Jim mentioned, through three quarters, we're around $900 million in CapEx, so well well behind uh, well, that original guidance. The original guidance was 2.5. Then in, uh, was it the first quarter? They, they it, was, ramped, it was Q1, yeah. Yeah, they ramped that back to one, between $1.5 and $2 billion of Actually, uh, of sorry, CapEx. Jim, just said it. It was actually 2 to 2.5 after Q1. And, and then, then second 1.5 quarter. to 2 after Q2. So they've ramped it down twice this year. And uh, I don't believe they said anything about that uh, this quarter. And, they didn't. Uh, so the total is $915 million out of a minimum of 1.5 for the guidance, which means they're going to almost have to double their quarterly cash CapEx next quarter, or I'm sorry, in the current quarter, Q4, just to meet the mo- bottom end of that guidance. And given their lack of uh, commentary about that, I'm not even sure they're going to reach that. Which is disappointing, uh, but also kind of scary if you're looking for long-term growth of this company. Well, and that's really just it, right? The, I mean, what is the guidance? What I mean, was the guidance was the two point five? How did how did they make that? I mean, are, are these guys good capital budgeters? Is my question. I'm not being facetious, but you know, you started out saying we're going to spend this, and then you drop it, and you drop it. Now you grossly underperform where you said you'd be. And now you just abandon it. But there's, there's. Uh, when I said earlier that the the theme that I saw in the quarter was how they were, you know, everyone knew the growth was going to roll over, including Tesla. I mean, Tesla obviously knows their growth is going to roll over, and so they, you know, they have to tell a different story. And you know, if we had, you know, a, a bottle of scotch and about four hours, we could step through about four or five places or multiple places in the in the um, the conference call and in in the uh, in the presser where they talk about things that I'm going to call them implicit growth pro- uh, promises. So the company's, you know, giving you an implicit, you know, yes, don't pay attention to our, our shortfall in growth in this quarter because the future is going to be better. So whether that's uh, Elon saying that he thinks the model Y is going to eventually outsell the S, X and three combined eventually, of course they haven't produced any model Ys yet. That's an implicit growth uh, um promise uh when they talk about you know they think they're three factories because they're gonna they're looking to build one in europe that's gonna triple their output that's an implicit growth promise they talk about this capex to bring that back around to what jim was just saying they've grossly underperformed where they originally said they were going to spend and then they actually talk about how that spending was primarily spent on gigafactory shanghai gigafactory three and on model three tooling and what have you. So implicit in that is this CapEx is arguably one time in nature, which means in future it will be lower still. And 
because free cash flow is operating cash less CapEx, if CapEx is lower still in the future, that implies another implicit growth promise. There will be greater cash flow in the future. And, you know, I could probably give you another five or ten examples through the call. But, you know, the 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 problem and, and, and that's just the CapEx side of it. But then on the operating cash flow side, you start, you know, which is the, you know, the starting number you go for for free cash flow. There was a number of things in there that make you go, you know, you're kind of like wondering what's going on. First off would be the the higher depreciation, be, which be, just comes from past CapEx. Right? Jim, before you get too far, uh, yeah. get further into that, I want to make one more point on the CapEx. Okay, sure. And it's not uh, the, the the concern of, of comp- comparing it to uh, the DNA, the depreciation line, isn't because they have to spend that amount just to make, stay even. It's because this is real equipment, real mechanical equipment, whether it's robots or uh, conveyor belts or what have you, that tooling. will and and tooling that has normal wear and tear, has to have yep. to ha- has to have parts replaced, has to be repaired, has to be maintained, and all that. And that's where the uh, the capex on equaling the DNA line, that's that's the implicit assumption is that they're maintaining their equipment. And if, as you hypothesize, this is a one-time uh, ex, uh, CapEx spend on uh, their new their new products, their new lines, how, are they actually maintaining the equipment they have? And uh, if they aren't, then what happens when that equipment eventually breaks as all mechanical equipment eventually does? And so that, that's well, where, where my concern comes in. Yes, and to put some color on that, um, you know, the, the, this concept. So so the rule of thumb is that a growing company and remember Tesla, you know, they want the perception of a growth company. So a growing company is generally spending more on new capital on CapEx than they have done before. And they are seeing the depreciation and amortization. So the offset of the previous capital spent, you know, that that is generally less than the capital you're spending today. For, for various reasons, you're growing and inflation and yada. But the, the really telling thing here is that Tesla, through years 2009 through 2018, every year, CapEx less depreciation was positive. So that, that, and you would expect a growing number there. And for a number of years, you know, it was kind of in the, the low, you know, between 150, 200 million dollars kind of thing. And then it, you saw it ramp up in 2014, 2015, um, and 2016, you know, into the, you know, about, it averaged about, I'm gonna, I, I think it averaged about seven, 800 million a year, more CapEx and depreciation. 2017, when they were really spooling up for the Model 3 launch, they spent almost $3 billion, about $2.8 billion on CapEx, more than they got with depreciation charges. Fell back mm-hmm. last year as the Model 3 passes into... So they really spun up the, the, the flywheel in 2017. For the last four quarters now, with Q3 2019, they're now negative to the tune of almost $600 million. So this is, this is kind of starving the beast. And... Maybe they have gotten this supreme capital efficiency religion in the last four quarters. It's, it's possible, but this is kind of a this is kind of a yellow flag. You go, yeah, they, they seem to be starving themselves, and they claim that they're going to be, you know, more efficient going forward, and 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 you wish them well, uh, but it's that that triggers my there's something going on here concern, and then. To flip back to the top of like when free cash flow is operating cash less 
um, CapEx. So we, we, we've kind of dispensed with CapEx there. Uh, but on the operating cash flow, uh, one of the things that happened in the quarter uh, that drove the free cash flow up was they didn't, you know, they, their payables went way up to about 300 and I think it was $340 million more in accounts payable. Well, companies in the past have used this as a trick. Don't, don't pay your bills before September 30th. So you retain the cash on your balance sheet. So you say, Oh, you know, we're producing all this cash. You don't pay your bills. September 30th quarter closes. October 1st, you pay your bills, but you can show the cash on your balance sheet as of the end of the quarter and you can show the cash, um, you can show the cash as cash flow. And this, this has been kind of, this is the charge that's been leveled at Tesla a few times in the past. Uh, you've undoubtedly seen how they, they generally really, they, they, in, in any given quarter, they kind of take the first couple of months and they kind of meander along. And then there's always that big push in the final, in the final month. You know, there was one in September, there was one in June, there was one in March, and they push, 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 and you'll see a, uh, some form of uh, leaked email from inside Tesla usually saying, hey, we can we can have a record quarter if we all pull together. And and so, you know, most of their stuff goes out in the last month, and that would dovetail with the, well, you know, if most of your stuff goes out, you don't pay your bills until the following month, which then becomes into the next quarter. So it's it's not sustainable unless you can keep on keep on having that push. But, you know, that that kind of looks like maybe what happened here. Um, and there's some other there's some other things that, you know, make you kind of raise the proverbial Spockian eyebrow. But th those those are the two two things that I kind of looked at the I think they're starving CapEx. At the same time, I think they are um, masterly managing their working capital. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, give Tesla a little bit of benefit of the doubt there. Uh, you know, you could see how they could generate some CapEx efficiencies relative to the Model 3, just because there were oh, sure. so many sure. own goals and unforced errors during that rollout to where there was probably a lot of, I mean, they had to pull out a whole bunch of machinery because uh, they'd made some mistakes on automation there. So I think there's definitely going to be some increased efficiency in CapEx. But to your point, or to both y'all's points, uh, you know, seeing CapEx for a capitally intensive business like Tesla that's in the manufacturing space, uh, seeing uh, not me meeting maintenance CapEx, so not having your CapEx equal depre depreciation and amortization tends to be um, a negative sign. But moving forward, we have the model, we have the model Y. Uh, Elon has called for volume production by summer 2020. We've mentioned before the, the Shanghai Giger factory. They think that's ahead of schedule. They want to announce a European Giger factory uh, for 2021. Elon has reiterated his intention uh, to deliver feature complete uh, uh, full self-driving by the end of 2020. Obviously, all these big plans moving forward, uh, just going away, both of you all, what is your biggest question facing Tesla moving forward? I, I, I have some questions. I mean, I got a, I got a lot of questions, frankly. Um, but you talked about the feature complete full self-driving. That, to me, was another implicit growth promise. And he kind of backed away a little bit on the conference call. I'm not sure most people spotted that. But, you know, they basically said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to have full self-driving by the end of next year. Feature complete. You use the words there, Nick, the, the appropriate words, feature complete. In other words, yeah, we think it'll work. But, you know, the, the regulatory bodies, the authorities have to approve it. And so the... 
the, the, the implicit message there is, well, will be done, but if the authorities don't allow this to be legally used and full self-driving, basically, you know, your car does everything for you and you have a robo taxi and, you know, you have to do about do nothing while you're in the car and you can have your robo taxi out working at night, making you some money. Um, but if this doesn't happen, well, it's clearly the politicians and the bureaucrats who aren't going to let this happen. So there's kind of, he's, he's kind of in, in one sense, another implicit growth promise. This is going to be really cool when it happens. And let's face it, a car that could be a robo taxi would be pretty cool. Um, but as well as he's kind of stepping away from that prior promise, which was the promise for the last capital raise of, you know, full robo taxis by next year. Um, but the and, and, and if anyone's seen some of the videos of the smart summit, you know, where your car basically go takes five minutes to go 200 feet, looks like a giant Roomba in a parking lot. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of skeptical that they'll ever be able to to get that, frankly. Um the, the other questions I have are, as, as you say, Nick, look, maybe there's some capital efficiency here. And you know what? I, I think that's probable, frankly. Um, the it, it does speak to them maybe wasting some of the CapEx in the past then, frankly. Um, but whatever, that's that's then and this is now. Um, I'm... We, we remember back to the, the so-called miracle quarter, uh, Q3 2018, uh, where they did print much like this quarter. They printed a surprise profit. They printed a surprise free cash flow number. Stock shot up. Um, it looks a lot like this quarter. And, and we, we later found out that a lot of that miracle quarter was because they rung some concessions out of their suppliers, most notably Panasonic, who supplies their battery cells. Um so I'm kind of curious. That's my big question is we've used the word sustainable a number of times in, in this uh, podcast. And, and, and the previous miracle quarter, in fact, was not sustainable, apparently. Uh, I am curious to see if this one holds. I, I, I really am. I mean, I, I'm, I, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of electric vehicles and on the electrification of the vehicle fleet out there. And so, you know, you, you want these things, you want these things to work. I don't really care about robo taxis, but you know, but you want, you want the progression of uh, electrification of the vehicle fleet to progress. And Tesla certainly is a big part of that. So you, you want to see them have success there, but there's enough that has me going, mm, let's, you know, let's pull a Ronald Reagan and do the whole trust, but verify kind of stance. Does that make any sense? And sure thing. Jim Mueller, last thoughts. I think the my biggest question is how they're going to handle their debt. Uh, the debt load did come down a little bit uh, to about 13. It did point. not. Um, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to break in here. Actually, that was something I wanted to talk about. Oh. Um, they, their cash went up $383 million and they were touting how they had their cash go up. Their debt went up $373 million. So they're, they they touted their cash increase on the balance sheet, but completely ignored that they're basically their debt increase was basically the same amount. It was all smoke and mirrors. But all I can right. I can I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. Debt went up 300 <laughs> total debt went up 373 million. All the right, then quarter. I must be misremembering what I was looking at. Uh, but, I, mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't correct something else, but this is a factual number I'm staring at right now. Fair <laughs> enough, Jim. Sorry. I trust you on the numbers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so that. 
that still uh, doesn't change my question is how are they going to handle that debt going into the future? Uh, with that much debt, they've got a huge interest expense. Uh, are they going to be able – will they need to go to the capital markets again, uh, I guess is my biggest question, uh, to continue funding? Because given all the all that we've discussed about cash flow from operations and CapEx uh, and uh, how they might be robbing the future Peter to pay the current Paul uh, – Will they need to actually go back to the capital markets? And if they do, what terms would they be able to manage uh, to get? So we'll cool. have to see about that. Yeah, Jim Gillies, any thoughts there on the debt that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I, I very much share Jim's um, kind of uh, interested concern on, on the debt. Uh, their debt did go up this quarter, as I said, um, uh, and, and basically accounts for the entirety of the cash increase this quarter. Uh, but the the promises that were made in in the um, in the press release and in the in the conference call, and we've heard promises like this before, you know. But they they talk about the you know ongoing profitability with a couple of maybe you know around new product launches, maybe not. And they talk about full self funding, you know. Now with uh, with you know, they, they they believe they should be able to self funding. And again, we've heard this from Tesla before. But to what Jim was just saying, if they're fully self funding, then no, they shouldn't need to raise. So so for me, if they do go out and raise again, and remember uh, the last raise, I think in May, they said we're just going to put that cash on the balance sheet essentially to have a buffer. Uh, and in, in, by all accounts, it's still there, although we can discuss that a little bit um but the the to me uh almost going out and, and and doing another capital raise when they're so now capital efficient that they can under they, they can starve their capex and do it less than dna when they're so uh, they're bringing so much cost out of their business um if they go out and raise capital i think that's a profoundly negative sign because everything they're saying says we don't need it. I just want to throw in, I, I found where I uh, got my confusion from. Uh, I'm looking at uh, S&P Capital IQ and uh, the total debt uh, of $13.3 billion versus the end of year 2018 number uh, of $13.8 billion. That's where I was thinking that it had come down a little bit. Sure. Yeah, so I, th- I think the big takeaway from this earnings report for Tesla is obviously incredible uh, accomplishment to be able to push out uh, uh, earnings uh, against you know the main expectations of the market. However, uh, when you drill into some of these numbers, questions still persist. And as it's Tesla, we'll be following this all the time because it's everybody's favorite stock to follow, whether you're a big fan of it or whether you like to, uh, to be skeptical of it. Um, but next time we have more information to talk about this company, we'll have you all on again soon uh, to talk about it. Thanks for coming on, both of y'all. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Jim Gillies and Jim Mueller, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!